Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome into the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We're back to preview the Titans' upcoming matchup, their first this season against the divisional rival Indianapolis Colts. And I think we'll start out just by saying about the Colts in general, this is a team that went into this season knowing that they weren't going to compete. So to say that they're exceeding or not exceeding expectations is a bit unfair because I don't really know that there were expectations, especially after the Josh McDaniels debacle in the offseason. But against the Jaguars last week, they played good football, and they, they do have some glaring holes throughout their roster, but they have some talent. Yeah, they're really not as bad as I thought they would be. Um, I, I don't think they're a particularly good team, uh, but but they've they've won a couple games that I probably thought they were going to lose. Um, actually, nah, not really. I, I get uh, we knew they were going to beat the Bills uh, and the Raiders. Uh, and, and last week against the Jaguars, I, th- I think we kind of felt like they were going to win just because the Jaguars are kind of in serious freefall. But I think Andrew Luck, in my opinion, has looked better than I thought he would. He 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 was really rusty the first couple weeks of the season, but he's kind of he's kind of turning on as of late. Aside from the Jets game, uh, but I think a lot of that is due to their offensive scheme, which has really uh, maximized his potential and minimized a lot of risk. So uh, their defense isn't horrible, but it's definitely not um, even better than a bottom ten unit in the league. So. All things considered, this is a game that the Titans should probably go in and win. Yeah, they're they're just kind of just a, an average team and, and probably below average because their defense doesn't have a lot of star talent on it. Uh, they kind of uh, overachieved over the past uh, during 
half of the season, uh, but they've really come crashing back down to earth. The Bills game doesn't really count, but they got wrecked by the Patriots, uh, gave up 42 points to the Jets. Raiders put up 28 on them, uh, and Blake Bortles had, had a really good game against them last week. So their defense really isn't all that scary, uh, but their offense is really moving the chains, uh, and it, they're just they minimize risk. Even though Luck has has had a couple games with multiple interceptions, uh, but they also got the running game going with Marlon Mack uh, and not Naheem Hines out of the backfield also. So their offense is a bit concerning, but considering the Titans' defense is is very good, uh, this is definitely a game the Titans should control and win. Uh, but but as we know, division games are very tough, uh, and the Colts have had our number especially with Andrew Luck uh, over the duration of his career. So definitely not a game to take lightly. So I thought this title would go to Jacksonville or Houston, but the Colts are the most annoying team I have to deal with. They've beaten Oakland, uh, the Bills, and the Jaguars after a bye week over the last three weeks. And everybody's talking about them as a dark horse because – you know, they dinked and dunked their way to a decent offense for the first four weeks of the season, and then they got to play this, you know, whatever the opposite of a murderer's row is. And, you know, they've had the easiest schedule in the NFL the last three weeks, and everybody wants to go ahead and say, you know, if they beat the Titans, then they'll be 500, and they'll be right in it with AFC South. I, I don't buy that at all. They're so annoying. I, I'm, I'm ready to go in and win this game. But later on in the episode, we will ask Will the question, uh, is Andrew Luck still good? Because I have a feeling his opinion on that issue at least should have changed since the preseason when we addressed this topic. Um, But that's later. Right now, we will talk about uh, both teams' injury reports. Uh, Let's start with the Colts. I was telling uh, Will and Matias before we started this, I looked through their injury report, and I don't know who half these people are. Um, but the the good ones that I do know who they are uh, would be Malik Hooker, who has not practiced this week as of Thursday. Marlon Mack returned to practice in full after missing with a non-injury issue. Uh, Mike Mitchell improved from did not participate to limited participation. And uh, guard Quentin Nelson has a back injury. He's practiced in full all week. Nothing really stands out there aside from Hooker. I don't really know what's wrong with him, but he hadn't practiced this week. Um, yeah, if the, I mean those two safeties, they're their two start, starting safeties, and arguably their two best defensive players, aside from Darius Leonard, who's had a really good rookie season. So if Mitchell or Hooker misses, if either of them misses, uh, it's a pretty big blow to what's already uh, a, a not a very talented defense. If both of them miss. Uh, Mario's going to have a field day because I don't even know who their backup safeties are. Um, I th- I think maybe Clayton Gathers actually plays a good amount, um, but he's not very good. While we're on this topic, uh, and some of the- who are their corners? Oh, okay. Well, okay. So one no, of their se- corners no, is Seriously, Pierre- I don't know. It, one, one of their corners is Pierre Desir, um, who was like a mid-round draft pick by the Browns. Uh, he got cut, and then the Colts picked him up. And he has pretty good marks on PFF by uh, by coverage standards, but we all know how much that really matters. Um, and, and they really haven't been 
all that great in pass defense all year. Uh, and then they have a rookie, another uh, who uh, his name is Kenny Moore. He's actually had a he had a, he started really well, but he's kind of faded uh, as the season has gone on. But he's another one of their starters. Um, and I'm not sure who the last one is. Didn't I, they draft Quincy, Quincy Wilson? Wilson? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he hasn't. I think he was injured for for a good amount of weeks, and he hasn't really. I don't think he's been starting, to be honest with you. No, uh, think, and he's. I think I think they demoted him and tried to find guys yeah. over him. Yeah, yeah. Nate Hairston play, played a lot of snaps um, during dur- during his absence. Um, Wilson played a bunch of snaps last week, but he's been a, a big disappointment. I actually liked him coming out, but he just doesn't really have uh, a proper feel for the for the cornerback position and he's a little too lanky and too stiff um to really make an impact so we'll see how much he even plays in this one so let's move on to the titans injury report from thursday pretty good news uh derek morgan a limited participant on wednesday practiced in full on thursday you would assume because of that he'll be good to go Dane Krukshank was a full participant. Jack Conklin was a full participant. Now it's just a matter of him getting cleared by the independent neurologist, which he likely will be. Uh, the only thing that really stands out is uh, Quentin Spain did not practice on Wednesday. He was limited Thursday. I watched him uh, leave the practice bubble the day pretty soon after team drills, or, or rather positional drills started. So that could be an area of concern. Also, Taewon Taylor, no practice at all two days in a row. So you're probably looking at getting Conklin, Morgan, and Cruikshank back this week. Uh, Taylor's looking like he's probably not going to be able to go. Quentin Spain, kind of the big question mark. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'd be concerned about Spain just because we've seen what Corey Levin uh, can do at rather, guard. What, rather what he can't do at guard. It, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not, it wasn't very pretty in the Chargers game. So that that makes me a little concerned, but I mean, Quentin Spain's been a little—he's been kind of inconsistent all year. He's been okay, but he's had a couple of games where um, he just gives up way too much uh, penetration uh, through the interior. So I, I mean, we'll see what happens there. Uh, it, the problem is that Corey Levin just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. And as for uh, Taewon Taylor uh, missing the game. Uh, I, it, it didn't affect us last week. Cameron Batson and Darius Jennings have been stepping up the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I, I think we're pretty good uh, on that front, especially with Johnny Smith um, kind of being a, a bigger part of the passing offense. I think we're going to be okay there. Yeah, uh, Levin's been sick, right? Hadn't he not been practicing? Um, he, yes, that is I'll correct. I'll rephrase it like He's, this. He I don't think Corey Levin's been practicing. He missed Wednesday and Thursday with an illness. Yeah. Yeah, so, so like, if he's Mark, yeah, if he's I mean, sick, Dennis Mark? Kelly. No, it, it'll probably be uh, uh, Kelly. That's what I th- that's what I think. Kelly's uh, gonna so, be the biggest guard in football history. He's so yeah, big. I mean, <laughs> he's he's great. Like Dennis Kelly is maybe the best trade John Robinson ever had. Like no, given back. I mean, that's fine. Like Demarco did have one really good year, but Dennis Kelly has been a starting caliber offensive tackle who's also played like guard and moved around and played tight end and did all this other weird stuff. Like Kelly's been a great utility player for the Titans. Was it in our recap much better- episode that we were talking about Kelly playing center? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think that was, uh, after the chargers game maybe where, <laughs> but, uh, I'm not going to digress too much on that. Um, so that's that's a big deal. 
Another thing um, that's interesting to me is it, it doesn't really show up on the injury report, but Tajay Sharp should be healthier this week. That's yeah, kind of the right. report is that he's healthy. So even though that's not kind of shown in the progress of did not play limited to full participation and, or whatever. And, and you bring up a good point because all of last week, even though he ended up playing and he, and he did practice, he was listed on the injury report. This week he's right. not even listed. So that right. shows that he's improved to some degree. So in my head, I was like, you know, we're going to have another game where we have, you know, heavy Jennings and Batson, but maybe not so much. Maybe this is, you know, a Tajay Sharp game coming up that we don't see coming, which is usually how they happen. Uh, the other thing is Derek Morgan, by all accounts, is probably going to play. That's good because the uh, Colts are starting to rip right tackle who – is fine. Uh, he's uh, Smith, uh, Braden Smith. Uh, he's fine. Um, he sucks versus the run, but uh, you know he's he's been okay in pass protection. I think he's a guy who came off the bench who they started, and he's been okay the last few last stretch. But I don't think he will deal well with somebody like Morgan. And I'm interested to see that kind of matchup, just because I think stylistically that'd be an issue for him. But uh, other than that, there's no big things that jump off the injury report. It's good to have Conklin back. Yeah. Let's hop into uh, sifting our way through the Colts roster, talking about some of their their key players. I want to start on the offensive line because that's a group with this team that has received a lot of criticism over the last really four to five years. And for the first time ever, they're playing like a cohesive unit this season. Anthony Costanzo is healthy. Ryan Kelly is healthy in the middle. Quentin Nelson has played pretty well at right guard. Uh, you mentioned that they're starting a rookie at right tackle, but at least on the left half of this offensive line, they've been doing enough to give Luck time to go through his reads and not get destroyed. Yeah. Played very well. Uh, there's no denying that. People mention that they have the best offensive line in the league. No, I think that I think that's a little ridiculous no. uh, to yeah, make an assumption. That is, yeah. In, in I can't even think of an adjective I, to describe how ridiculous that is. The the takes are real. They're flying. I saw them. <laughs> but anyway, they're not the best offensive line in the league. Um, and the reason they haven't given up a sack over the last four games is because Andrew Luck gets rid of the ball in like under two seconds it's abnormal what they're doing with their offense they're just getting the ball out so quickly out um and it's just it's hard to sack the quarterback uh when you don't even have time to get to him what's the patriots uh, and so yeah yeah so so i i mean they're good their offensive line has, has played very well the running game has kind of had a bit of a resurgence uh but who have they really played over the last four weeks they played the jets who look like a collapsing team. The Bills are one of the worst teams we've ever seen, even though they beat us, but that's besides the point. Then they played the Raiders. Yeah, the they, Raiders are, might know, actually be the worst team. We've in ever all seen. fairness, the Bills did beat the Titans with Josh Allen and not with Nathan Peterman or Matt Barkley. Yeah. Yeah, but the Titans threw that game, you know. I'm pretty they, sure. They sleepwalked. Anyway. They came out with no energy. But back, back to the point. Regardless, <laughs> Jets, Bills, Raiders, and then the Jaguars who stink out loud. It's it's not something. It, it's not a good sample to go ahead and say that the offensive line is turning into the one of the best in the entire league just because they played 
that foursome of of bad teams. So I think we should slow. They should slow their roll. The Titans have a better defense than all four of those teams, and they've been one of the best defenses in the league at generating pressure. Um, so this is going to be a pretty good test for for both sides. Yeah, I mean, everybody gets so excited about the Colts' offensive line the same way they did when the Titans drafted Chance Warmack. Everybody is everybody stood on the table in the offseason and talked about, you know, it's a smart move to add a guard. It's a smart move to add a guard. And they're like, look at what it's doing. Now that they've had, now they've got such good left guard play from Quentin Nelson, they've allowed zero sacks in the last four games. It, just relax. That, that's not what this is. It's a very timing-based, quick offense. It's very similar to what we saw that Miami does. It's it's because they're afraid they don't want Andrew Luck taking hits because he's very delicate at this point in his career. I mean, he's 30 years old or whatever with a shoulder injury. That That's not ever a good thing. Um, and, and really, it's a credit to him. We may talk about this later because he's getting the ball out quick and he's not taking sacks. But these, you know, zero sack games are more a factor or more, uh, I guess, a result of the fact that they throw it so quickly. He's averaging, I think, the third lowest yards per attempt in the league because that's how their offense is run. So, you know, it sounds great to say zero sacks and they're winning games and that must mean that the offensive line is just dominant. That's partially true. They're they're playing fine, but it's not a top five, top ten unit in the NFL right now. So now we're going to talk about uh, Andrew Luck. And, Will, I'm going to let you lead this one off because in the preseason we had this conversation about Andrew Luck, and and we talked about him some of the early weeks of the season, and you told us that he's bad now and all this stuff. He, I don't think he is, so – and you brought up the Dolphins' offense. So the first question I'm going to ask you to lead this conversation off is, would you rather have a healthy Andrew Luck or a healthy Ryan Tannehill right now? Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to say Mariota. Uh, <laughs> More Mariota. I, I would rather have a healthy Mariota, but I would also uh, take Andrew Luck over Tannehill. Okay. For right. sure. At least, at least you have that. Yeah. Some sanity. So, yeah. I mean, he's fine. Like, like Andrew Luck is a good player, but I mean, there's a reason why the yards per attempt and such and stuff is so much different now, and that's because Frank Reich's system is super quarterback friendly. I mean, look at what's happening in Philadelphia. Look at how different their offense is now yeah, because they, they don't get they lost Fra- they lost Frank and they lost uh, John D. Filippo. Right, and you would think that based on the hierarchy they had and how much they were getting paid, that Reich was more had more influence in that offense. So, as much as I like DiFilippo, but I mean Frank Reich is a very talented offensive mind, and it's working in uh, Indianapolis, and it's I mean it looks good, but it's very it's not traditionally what he's been. It's not yeah. I'm going to extend play as long as I can and then chunk it down the field, and it should be intercepted, but it won't be because you know, I'm the luckiest quarterback in history, frankly. But I mean, it's a lot of, I mean, he had he had the most perceptible passes, I think, back to back years, and was like bottom five or ten in interceptions actually totaled. So you know, I, I went mean, on he, record a couple years ago saying that I thought Andrew Luck was the most overrated player in the NFL. 
Not that he's bad, mm-hmm. but people had elevated him to this level that he was not. Because now you he is inc- Nelson. <laughs> he has incredible <laughs> talent. You can extend the plays, make any throw on the football field, and he's going to win you a lot of games. But he would do these things. Like, he didn't know when to give up on a play. He'd throw these interceptions that would just make you shake your head and say, why aren't you just throwing that ball in the dirt? And he still, from what I understand, I'm, I'm full transparency, I haven't watched any of their games this year, but from what I understand, he still has that tendency to – he won't give up on the play. It's like I refuse to throw the ball out of bounds because this play has to work. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever get rid of that. That's kind of who just who he is in nature. Um, but, I mean, I, I still think he's like a top-10 quarterback in the league. Uh, what does concern me about him, not as a Titans fan, like it just has as like let's mm-hmm. say I'm a Colts fan, yeah. is the fact that they're getting rid of the ball um, at the fifth highest, uh, fifth fastest rate in the league, so 2.61 seconds from the snap. Who's fastest? Um, uh, I'm not sure. Brady's at 2.61 also, and Breeze is at 2.57. I'm not sure who the fastest is. I, I, I could find it in a second, but give me, let me just finish my point. And uh, his average <laughs> co- completion distance this year, um, it's down to 5.7 air yards. It's a two full yards shorter than him in 2016. And despite all of this, he's still thrown nine interceptions this year. Uh, and his interception rate is 2.4, which is it, it's, it's not good. Uh, and he has three games with multiple interceptions. So... I, that would concern me if I was a Colts fan or, or an Andrew Luck fan. The fact that he's still making these these that hurt, this, uh, it, despite being in an offense that is supposed to minimize risk. So that's something that the Titans could take advantage. Uh, and especially if the Titans get a lead in this game, uh, it's, I think it sets up really well for them because Andrew Luck's going to start forcing things. And we've seen in the past um, that when he does force things, uh, it doesn't go well for him. Even though he's 9-0 against, he's, he's thrown a a good amount of interceptions He's thrown eight in nine games. Um, so we have a pretty good chance of, of pulling this game out. If we could just take a lead um, and force him into throwing a ton of passes. Eight interceptions in nine games, by the way, is amazing for a Titans defense that heavily featured Parrish Cox and Bleeder Ray Wilson. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not this defense. He didn't play against the Titans last year. I think the last time he played against the Titans, we were what, like a three win team, a two win team. I'm trying no, to remember when, when that would have been. Oh, that's right. Um, I've been that year somehow. Was it the – was it – was it was – The it last was, game? It was Malarkey's first year. Yes. Yeah. They beat us 34-26 at home uh, in a game we should have won. The Taylor then, touchdown game. Yes. Yeah. And then they beat us seventeen to twenty-four uh, on the in in Indianapolis. And that that wasn't the Josh Freeman Ryan Lindley game. That was the year before, right? No, that was uh, that was twenty fifteen. Yeah, because he only played the, one game against us. I, in it 15. was the I know exactly which game it was. It was the Valentino Blake catch a punt at the two yard line game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the Fowler game, also, right? No, that yep. was another game. Yeah, because it was thirty-five, thirty-three, and we needed a two-point conversion to tie. I'm pretty I sure. Don't I actually don't remember now. Okay, well, um, regardless, regardless, he threw two picks in that game. 
Let, let's I'm move just... on and get to the other parts of the Colts roster. Um, Darius Leonard oh. is a guy that a lot of people have elevated as having a very, very good rookie season. And from what I understand, that's exactly been the case. He's, he plays fast. He plays aggressive. Really, I mean, he, he kind of plays like the Titans are wanting or Sean Evans to ultimately play. Uh, he's a guy you got to watch out for this week. Yeah, you know, coming out, I didn't love him all that much. I, I thought he was fine, possibly like a late second to early third round kind of guy. Uh, I mean, which is where he went, um, so it made sense. But he's playing like a first rounder right now. He, he's kind of just all over the place. I didn't really get in his tape. I thought I thought he was a little slow. Uh, he had good instincts, but he wasn't really a guy that would that would fly around and make a bunch of plays. But he's been that in the NFL. Um, he has how many? Sacks? He has four sacks already. Uh, 63 solo tackles, 34 uh, tackles, um, and he's forced a bunch of fumbles and, and recovered a bunch of fumbles. Um, so he's been really good. Uh, I really haven't ex- wasn't expecting that, um, but I guess if you just force some of these linebackers into a lot of playing time early, uh, they, they start to really like get a feel and get in rhythm for the position. So yeah, he's forced three fumbles and recovered two fumbles, so that's really good. Uh, to go along with those four sacks, they're kind of using him as this jack-of-all-trades linebacker, um, and it's really panned out. Uh, the, the problem for their defense is just that they don't have a lot of surrounding talent around him. Uh, their other linebacker, I think, is Anthony Walker, who's also who, who's also a rookie. He, he's not quite as good. He, he's kind of stiff a little bit. So um, there's definitely a linebacking core that you can attack outside of Leonard. Uh, yeah, uh, so this, this may surprise you. I don't think Leonard's all that good. Uh, no, it doesn't so, surprise me at all. <laughs> so I'll explain why there's this weird mystique about him that people are so excited about. Um, it all really comes from the Eagles game where he got two sacks where he was unblocked because the line shifted left and he came from the right side, I believe. That that happened one or both times. I can't remember, but – he, he was not blocked in either thing. It, it wasn't even a good schemed blitz. It was just, it, it would be like if Harold Landry was left unblocked and just went straight for the quarterback. It, it was, I mean, just it, the easiest sacks you can have. And that's that's two of his four sacks. Um, it's also inflated because people are so excited that he's got so many tackles. I think he leads the league in tackles, but... A large part of that is because nobody else on that Colts defense can tackle. They're not a good defense. They let teams score almost at will. The reason why he's got so many tackles is the same reason uh, that most linebackers on bad defenses have tackles is because it all ultimately gets funneled to the middle, and he just ends up laying on top of the pile and gets a stat. Avery Williamson. (laughs) And I'm glad you bring that up because uh, Leonard has 150% as many tackles as the guy behind him in second place. That is the exact same number that Avery Williamson had two years ago on the Titans middle of the pack 2016 defense. And that's when he started getting all the hype of when he started having bad years, but good statistical years, he was getting praised as the star of the Titans defense, even though he wasn't very good on the actual field. So you would see all these segments before the before the game when they were like, this is the player to watch on defense. And it wasn't Jarrell Casey or Kevin Byard, even though they were having better years. It was uh, it was Avery Williamson, which so if you, you've been you watching think Darius game, Leonard is Avery Williamson. I'm not saying that, but it's he's a lot closer to Avery Williamson than Brian Urlacher, 
which is what everybody is saying. Everybody is talking about him as this new age hybrid linebacker who Mm-mm. can pass rush and all this stuff because they didn't watch him when he was at what South Carolina State. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and he was a very average talent. He was good. You know, he was a big fish in a small pond, but he never jumped off the page. So, you know, and Greg Cosell talked about it the other day on, I think, the Midday 180, where he, you know, he talked about, you know, I remember writing in my notes that he could develop into a three-down backer, which is true. I mean, he looked like a guy who was good enough at a lower level to where he could develop into a guy someday, but that it's not that he's overcome that he's been so great. It's that he had one really good game against Philadelphia when people thought Philadelphia was still a Super Bowl team. And he's had decent games against teams like the Texans and the Raiders and the Jets. And so people have this weird inflated opinion of him because he's beating bad teams at the right times, even though his play has not steadily declined, but there's been large patches where he doesn't do anything impressive. In fact, the Eagles game, his best game, he does almost nothing impressive for the first three quarters. And then I think he gets both his sacks at the end of the game. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's all just, you know, he's a good, he's good for a rookie, but he's not, you know, he shouldn't win defensive player of the year. He shouldn't be in the conversation oh. or defensive rookie of the year. Oh. He shouldn't be in the conversation for that. You don't he's think? Fine. Huh? You don't think so? No, I mean Chubb probably should get defensive player, defensive rookie of the year by a mile. And, and I mean, I think there, I think Hurst for Oakland is probably better than him. Um, I think Landry will have a better season by the time it's all said and done. I think there will be several players that are better than him. But I think because nobody else, everybody else on the team refuses to make tackles for the Colts, that he piles up stats and people get excited about that. But I mean, like I said, he's he's fine. He's above average as a linebacker, but he's not anything special. Yeah, I I have some stats that might back up this Avery Williamson comparison. <laughs> Let, let's hear. So, it. Leonard targeted fifty times in coverage. He's given up forty six catches for four hundred and eighty seven <laughs> yards. That is not good. That is actually oh, atrocious. That's okay. And I somehow, get going with this will some somehow. <laughs> He has an 80.7 coverage grade from PFF yes. despite giving up a 92 completion that, percentage. That, if, if nothing else of that we've said solidifies Darius Leonard as Avery Williamson, it's the pro football focus grade. Because that was one yeah. thing Williamson did do very consistently is score well on that metric. Yep. It's so, so weird. That type of linebacker, it makes I, no I'm, sense. I'm, very glad that Matias looked all that up so it doesn't sound like I'm just rambling like out of pure hate for the Colts. I'm not. Like, I love Malik Hooker. There are guys on that defense I like. Leonard just not one of them. Let's talk about Malik Hooker because he was a guy that I know all three of us loved back in the, uh, I guess it would have been the 2017 draft. I had him as my second player on the board behind just Miles Garrett. Uh, obviously, he had the ACL injury last year, and he's struggling a little bit this season. What's the outlook for Hooker right now? Uh, they're not really using him um, as they're, they're using him the same way Ohio State did, uh, where he's just like a center field type, and they just let him kind of, kind of roam around. Uh, but they're not really using him as it probably to his full potential because I think he could be a guy um, that you could line up on tight ends, like a um, Kevin Byard. And, and 
Yes, exactly. I think I think he has that type of potential. But they're not really using him like that. They're just throwing him back there and, and kind of just letting him play that center field role, which he's good at. But I, I mean, as we saw last week against the Jaguars, um, he he was part. He, him and the cornerback just got absolutely roasted by Dante Moncrief. Um, it, and um, it, it's just you know I think the ACL has something to do with, but he he hasn't really been the rangy, uh, explosive playmaker that we saw. Uh, him be at Ohio State and, and a lot of that j- could just be due to the Colts not having a lot of talent on their defense at Ohio State he was surrounded by incredible defense incredible defense um, and, and just all of that probably contributed I still think he's going to be a very good player uh, and I think if he's used a la Kevin Byer um, he can turn into one of those um, pro bowl type of safeties but right now I think he's just a decent safety um, who has some good coverage skills but really isn't able to use them. Yeah. So the way I understand it, and I have not broken down the Colts to this level, so I may be talking out of turn. The way I understand it is they're running a lot of cover two defense, and that's really what they're trying to make their base defense in Indianapolis. And I, I, I don't think that's the right way to use Hooker. I think you should use him as a cover one, cover three middle of the field safety and then you know if you're playing man coverage and you get an errant pass he should be able to float to that ball and get an interception because that's the kind of athlete he was in college he was a very rare true center field had the athleticism to cover hash to hash with the ball in there I mean he was he was great at that in Ohio State and Matisse is right you know it helps having Gary and Conley and Lattimore beside you as your corners like that that's really helpful and it's helpful to have a Bosa getting pass rush and that, that's all great, and it really makes a safety look even better. But, I mean, I, I thought he would be much more successful at this point. Now, it, he did have the injury last year, and maybe that's slowing him down, and maybe it's changing the way he's having to take angles and all that stuff, and maybe he'll be, help, he'll be healthy and better next year. But, but right now he just kind of – I mean, I, I don't know that – I expected him to be the second best safety in the, in the AFC South immediately, and I'm not sure that Vaccaro isn't automatically a better player than Hooker has been, which is hard for me to say because I, I was right there with you. I think I had Hooker as like the number three guy on my board or something. Like I, I really liked him, but I mean, he just doesn't look like he's ready to be that guy yet. I agree. Also, Kenny Vaccaro is like a top ten. Strong safety in the league yeah. right now. That's so Vaccaro good. Has, you know, we can talk about more on another day, but I mean, Kenny Vaccaro has to be signed long term. I mean, like, he needs yeah. a four year deal with the Titans. Yeah, I was talking. He's only 28, too. I spent, yeah. I spent some time with him today because I'm working on a, a story about him. And he was talking about how in the offseason he had offers. Like, the Titans weren't the first team that offered him. But he, to- he said that, like, he didn't want to go to a team where he didn't feel like he would start. And so he just waited and waited and waited, and then, and then Sip got hurt. And it's insane because usually when you're signing a guy mid-August, he's not like a Pro Bowl caliber player. Like he's a scrap or an undrafted player or someone who's old and you're hoping maybe has something left. And Vaccaro has become a stud on this defense. He's been a he's been an integral part of the defense, um, and, and just allow a lot of the other players uh, to really shine, like Kevin Byard. Yeah, I mean, there's 
there was no communication issue. I mean, usually when you get a new guy, and we see it all the time, like you see it with Kendrick Lewis. Like, as soon as he stepped in, he looked like Kenny Vaccaro. Uh, I mean, I think he had an interception in the first game versus Miami that he played. I mean, he was great from the get-go. That's why I think it's... I don't want to say imperative, but when you look at what happened when Kendrick Lewis wasn't there, are you willing to take a chance that what? if when Kendrick Lewis gets hurt, there. or sorry, when Kendrick Lewis was there, oh. sorry, uh, when you when you look at how bad the defense turned when there was a huge you know gap in communication on the back end, like can you afford that if Cyprian either? isn't fully healthy next year and is a step slower or if you have to go to Crookshank, I don't know. I don't know why but you would let him. like $7 million next year, and you don't owe him any of that if you cut him. Yeah, you get $5 million in cap relief if you cut him, which is rough because I know they like him, but you know, if you can – just from a business standpoint, if you can cut him and extend Vaccaro for the same price you were going to pay him, and you you know there's no there's no net loss, and you get a guy who you know is automatically a great fit in your defense. Yeah, I mean it's, it's hard to say no to that. Last mm-hmm. last thing on this before we move into talking about some some key matchups, uh, I, I feel like Vaccaro, whoever he signs with, if if he keeps up the way he is, will sign a three year deal because he's I believe he's 27 years old, and that would keep him until he's age 31. How much do you think he'd make on average every year? Seven or eight? Uh, you no. think he makes that much? No, I was I was thinking three. three well, Sip for got six million a year, and that yeah, was after that was he had same. a not great season, if I remember correctly. Well, that was just, Dick LeBeau was like, I need that guy. I mean, <laughs> that, that LeBeau's dude, and Cyprian's been like, I I, I think Cyprian's a solid safety, but it, it was very clear in the press conferences after that. LeBeau had made it clear that he wanted him, and that was a guy that was going to change this defense. Like, that was insane. So, how much is Vaccaro getting, you think? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking five to six. I mean, six is a very reasonable number, I think, for I'm all parties. six in- is too little for a starter for three years. I mean, Eric Weddle makes six. Yeah, Eric Weddle's also 6. like 50. 5, yeah. Uh, I mean, Tyron Matthews. These guys make seven. a lot of money, honestly. Micah Hyde's making three point seven. That's yeah, absurd. that's that is very strange. Four point five, and he's got four interceptions this year, and he's playing like a star. Um, What's Avery Williamson making? Like eight? <laughs> I don't know. A ridiculous amount for his play. <laughs> I think he makes the same as Harrison Smith, who's oh like my the gosh. best defensive player in the league. That's oh, that's insane. Okay. But I mean, strong safeties don't get paid. Yeah. Like, and I think, yeah, it based off your conversation with him that he wants to play so he can start. Like, why not go ahead and take a Tennessee deal, which is tax free? So you're gonna get you're gonna get six real million dollars instead of okay. Well, if you go to uh, California, you've got to pay thirteen percent in tax or whatever it is. Like something absurd. Like, go ahead and just get. Six million real dollars and play in a defense that you know works well, and then maybe if you have three great years, you can either renegotiate with the Titans or go out and get one more big deal like Eric Weddle got, and then you know retire off that. Like, yeah. don't don't just think about this as a one year thing. Mm-hmm. 
So let's uh, let's talk about some key matchups, and I think obviously the biggest one. And look, Titans play this team two times a year. The three of us are extraordinarily familiar with with this team for the most part. Every time this matchup circles around, we talk about T.Y. Hilton, but it's paramount. You got to stop him, and they did a good job with it last year, particularly Logan Ryan. Uh, but you cannot let this guy wreck the game like the Titans have done in previous years. Yeah, we did a really good job on him last year. Um, but granted, Andrew Luck wasn't playing. Uh, he he hadn't really been himself uh, since uh, he got injured midseason. Um, he, and he hasn't been getting a lot of catches. He only has uh, eight catches over his last three games and, and really hasn't been featured all that much. Uh, they've really been using their tight ends a, a ton, just a ton. They have like five million of them, and they just rotate them in and out. So... Yeah, if T.Y. Hilton is going to play the slot mostly, which we assume, um, yeah, hopefully Logan Ryan has a better game than he than he did last week. Uh, he wasn't bad, but Julian Edelman just really got open uh, at will. Uh, I, I don't think that was Logan Ryan's fault, um, but it, it, it's important for Logan Ryan to have a really good game against Hilton. Uh, and he did last year um, in that home game. Um, he did a fantastic job on him. Uh, and so did Dory Jackson whenever he was lined up on him. So I'm not too worried about T.Y. Hilton, to be honest. He, he just really hasn't looked like his old self um, in quite a while. Okay, um, this is a question off of this. Do we think they're going to continue with that a shadow corner that they did with Dory last week? Do we think that was a one-week mm. thing, or is that something that's going to change in this defense fundamentally? I, mean, I don't think they're going to use him like the Cardinals would use Patrick Peterson. But, I mean... I think I think it, yeah, it's a matchup yeah. base. Like I think they probably thought that Adoree was their best option against Josh Gordon, and he probably is the best option against a T.Y. Hilton. But I don't think Adoree is the best option against a Michael Thomas or against a DeAndre Hopkins. Not that the Titans play the Saints, but I mean, I mean I'm just throwing that name I, out there. No, like I mean, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't know that he's not. I mean, it worked really well against the best quarterback and one of the best offensive minds in the league. Why not stick with it, especially this week? Because T.Y. Hilton, I think, matches up best with the Dory Jackson. Like, I think that's well. Yeah, a that's good what I'm saying. Match. This week it works, but I think I don't think you can. I don't think he's matchup proof in the way that a Patrick Peterson or a, uh, a Jalen Ramsey is. Yeah, I mean that's true. But Jalen Ramsey got allowed like eight receptions to Odell Beckham, and Odell Beckham's Odell Beckham. But I mean, I don't think any cornerback in the league at this point is. It is you know completely bulletproof. I think there, I think there are guys stylistically you should just match up differently with. But for a team like the Colts, I mean, I would follow T.Y. Hilton with Adoree Jackson. Yeah, I know you said, I think I that's you, fine. Yeah, I know you said that. but I mean, that's that's a big part of. It. I, I mean, I would make that a big part of my defense most weeks, unless you know, it, like when they face Odell. Like I think you should cover him with. A Dory or Logan Ryan or whoever, and then give safety help over the top or something like that. But you know, outside of maybe five wide receivers in the NFL, I think you should play it like that. And if you put a Dory Jackson full time on T.Y. Hilton, you get Chester Rogers and Ryan Grant against Malcolm's uh, Malcolm Butler. Yeah, yeah. I, slow, I, I will man. say I take my chances so with, slow. with whoever those people are against Butler and Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. So like. I mean, that's a huge advantage to me if you can have him neutralize Hilton. And if for some reason you can't, you can adjust at halftime. But 
I guess my point is is that I think they can neutralize T.Y. Hilton and make that offense really flow through the tight ends and through you know the running backs if they choose to. And then even then, I think you know the safeties and linebackers are good enough in coverage to where that should be a really tough task. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of hit on uh, Darius Leonard, so I won't I won't return to that. But I will say that another issue for the Titans' defense potentially this week is going to be stopping the Colts' tight ends. Now, obviously, they're much better at inside linebacker than they have been in years past with the emergence of Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans playing as well as he is, Wesley Woodyard having a Pro Bowl caliber season. Uh, but the, the Colts are not just – it's not just one guy anymore. It's two because they've been able to really effectively utilize both Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. So if nothing else, you've got to keep an eye on those guys. Because Mike Vrabel said today that the Colts, when, when he watches him on film, the Colts literally just run verticals with, with Eric Ebron, and it works. Yeah, and their usage of Ebron is kind of telling. Um, he only ran five more routes than Mo Ali Cox, who's like their fourth no tight end last week. Yeah, I know. And uh, he only... <laughs> He got out targeted by Ali Cox last week, four to three. So, after field, they're going to him. Um, and Jack Doyle, with Jack Doyle back, Doyle really the only one who's like a true um, every snap tight end. Um, and then they just mix it and match all these other guys who are supremely athletic, tall, and can catch the ball. Uh, Ebron is probably the best playmaker. Although I've seen some of the catches that Mel Cox has made and. He looks like a legitimate playmaker, um, but I mean, if you just put Bayard on, nothing's going to happen. I, I think Ebron's had a lot of easy matchups, um, and, and some of his touchdowns have kind of been the rushing touchdown last week. That I mean, it, when's the tight end going to score a rushing touchdown? So I, I don't know. I mean, his snap counts over the last two weeks have been 21 against the Jaguars and 17 against the Raiders. Um, and, and he's performed, um, but I think it's pretty telling that when he's on the field, um, they're going to him. There should be uh, a tell. Hopefully Dean, Dean Pease and Vrabel realize that. Yeah, I mean, you've got Jalen Brown, Wesley Woodyard, and Byard, and Kenny Vaccaro. You should, I mean, and really... I would take any of those guys and match them up with Ebron and be fine with it. You know, Ebron's, I mean, he's used well in this offense and he's caught a lot of touchdowns, but it's not like he suddenly turned into Gronk. Like, he's not a matchup nightmare. Yeah. It's just, he's, you know, he's, he's often fast. wide open. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a lot smackly and a lot because teams don't know how to stop three tight ends, which I think they run a lot. So. You know, it's hard to stop three tight ends with slow linebackers. But, I mean, Ebron's Ebron's had a good year. He's a guy you have to account for in your game plan. But I don't – I would much rather have a Dory Jackson shut down uh, T.Y. Hilton than I would have Kevin Byard man up with Eric Ebron in the box and then just have everybody else kind of play their normal. Like, that would be the adjustment I made. But – you know, and I don't want to get too too deep into this, but yeah. last week, a lot of what the Titans did is they did a lot of zone blitzes, like a lot of Harold, which I historically hate, but they did a lot of blitz. drop back into coverage, drop guys back off the line of scrimmage and let them fill a zone. 
I think they even did it with Evans lined up as a pass rusher, and then he dropped and ran into the flat. And, and I mean, they did that, and it worked. And that's why I think Jayon Brown is leading the team in sacks is because that's a large part of this defense. So, you know, there's going to be some times, whether I like it or not, where Arakpo or Landry is going to be in zone coverage against Eric Ebron, and, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it because that's how they get pressure. But I think for a large part, you know, on third downs when you can actually game plan for specific people, I would still focus on Hilton more than Ebron. Last topic before we head out, uh, because we've talked so much about the Titans' defense, what are the tit- what's, what's the game plan for the Titans' offense in this game? Uh, throw the ball 15 times to Corey Davis and 15 times to Deion Lewis. I agree. I agree totally. That's it. You don't need anyone else Get because the their cornerbacks aren't good enough. And their linebackers aren't good in coverage, and this is a perfect game for Deion Lewis. Yeah, get, give the get the ball to your best players, and the, those are your best two players on offense. Yeah, pretty who, much. Who would have thought that I would be sitting here saying, "Get the ball to Corey Davis"? I'm, I'm glad you're finally converted. I mean, that's that's what they should do every week, though. And I'll, I'll use it for this week. I mean, they should force the Colts to true double coverage. They don't have a good enough corner to even pretend like stefan gilmore did like you've got to double cover and then once you double cover him they're going to start throwing a tajay sharp yeah. and using bad center jennings on those you know screen routes or mm-hmm. you know for some reason taiwan taylor plays like i mean and when all those guys are covered somehow go to anthony ferkser for a big play i mean that's what this team should do is force them to you know over I'm not even overestimate, force them to just put all their chips on the table and say, look, we've got to stop this guy and then just take what they give you after that. Like once they do that, their defense is fundamentally not sound because you can't play against 11 players with 10 players. So, I mean, I mean, on paper, it's easy. The last time they had a great game plan, they went out and had, I guess Dallas was fine, but I'm thinking of the Philadelphia game where they had a great game plan where they were very aggressive, and then all of a sudden we went to 55 screens, and you know, look where it got us. Also, if Taewon Taylor doesn't play, send Cameron Batson on that route that Taewon Taylor had against the Colts last year because he did Hooker for like a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah, that's true. They ran play I mean, action. He just ran like straight down the field. Yeah, yeah. just straight down the field, a little to the right. Yeah, and Hooker couldn't catch him at all. And Spain almost got yeah. into a fight. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap what will hopefully, uh, I guess, be a win for the Titans um, because they're more fun to talk about when they win, and we don't have to talk about Doomsday for the Titans. Um, until then, for Matias Water and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. We'll talk to everyone next week.